Hello and welcome to Talking Strength, episode 10. Um, so first things first, if you are an avid listener of the podcast, you would have noticed that last week we didn't have an episode and that's purely because of my stupidity with technology. Um, I recorded a, an episode by myself going through you know, who I was and, and how I've developed over the past year. Um, and when I listened over it, we landed up basically hearing nothing. So that was fantastic. Um, so that is unfortunate, and I will re-record that at some stage. But episode 10, I get to bring you a really cool guest. Her name is Rachel. Um, she's co-owner of a facility in Sydney called Strong Fams. Um, and she's known as the Strong Mama on um, Instagram. She specializes in pre- and post-natal strength training. Um, and just the education of, of moms and dads around, uh, you know, training during pregnancies and all the wonderful joys that little kitties bring. So it, it was a really cool episode for me, kind of just with the transition that I'm kind of, you know, finding myself in and, and the questions that I'm currently asking myself with everything going on. Um, and, you know, I've reached out to her a couple of times and we've known each other for a year or so or whatever and via Instagram and we've, we've had some conversations and eventually I just said to her, you know, let's sit down and have a recorded conversation as I, I said to her a few times. You know, I'd have this conversation no matter what and I thought, you know, if someone can gain something from it, someone can gain something from it. So it was really cool to sit down with her. She's a lovely girl or lovely lady. Um, and it was just an open and honest conversation and really, like I really enjoyed it. Um and I just enjoyed the the learning experience, I suppose that's what it was, and, and the openness and just being able to talk about the taboo subjects, I suppose. So it's a really cool episode. Um, I hope you enjoy it. I'll put in the show notes. She and her husband run Strong Fam, as I, I said, they're in, I think it's called Jura. Don't ask me exactly where it is. It's somewhere in Sydney. Um, and if you're looking for group um, training or you know as a family with your kids they, they've got a, a little crash there as well they've kind of got it got it all set up they've got a lovely facility if you're looking for something like that in, in sydney I'd, i highly recommend going through um checking them out training with them they've got a cool community vibe like it, it was just something really awesome to to experience so hope you enjoy it um i'll put everything in the show notes and have fun so I'll just double check that every now and then just yep. to make sure we're good because I have had uh, one or two in the past where it kind of just stops recording. Mm-hmm. Oh, nothing worse, literally. That's my biggest panic. I'm like, the whole time, I'm like, if I fucking get off this and it's not recording, I'm just going to just cry. I'm just going to turn that down. Just so, so I had uh, my last podcast that was supposed to go this week and it didn't, I didn't air it because mm-hmm. um, I landed up like, trying to read through the whole thing. Oh, listening to it just before we went off and this was, it was dead. It's oh. like, what the fuck's going on? So it was just like a self one and it was, um, I forgot to plug the microphone in. Wow. <coughs> yep. So that was oh. pretty, pretty good. That's depressing. Mm. Well, that wasn't meant to be. You're going to have to just Clearly. do that one again. Um, I just need you to bring the microphone a little bit closer to your yeah. mouth. That better? That's much better. Yeah, heaps better. You should be able to hear yourself a bit better as well. If I move it to drink, does it make a noise? No, so just move drink oh, and then sweet. just bring it back. Bring it back. Okay. Yeah, that's pretty good. You'll, you'll know if it's not close enough, you kind of like can't hear can't yourself. Can't hear myself. Yeah, that's better. I'm all about hearing myself, so bring it in. <laughs> How strange is it listening to yourself when you start, to, like when you go through these, I've listened to a few of my own coming back. Yeah. I'm just like, what the fuck was I saying? Yeah, yeah. It's definitely different when you're in the moment than yeah. like I'll record a 
pod like yesterday. I recorded a podcast and like the whole time if you ask me what I just spoke about, I'm like, I don't fucking know. And then I have to play it back. I play it back straight away because I'm like, okay, I need to make sure that that was even worth me. <laughs> just spending an hour of your time. Yeah. Did I actually talk about what I wanted to? And then most times I do. Yeah. So, yeah. All right. Well, introduce yourself. I suppose that's the first thing we can start off with. Yeah. You. I mean, we, we've chatted once or twice on, on Instagram and, and kind of sent the voice notes and this is how this has started but it's yep. like who are you where where did this all develop from you know uh, explain cool well my name is rachel jam petro aka the strong mama that's what i call myself on instagram so i guess that's just what we're going to run with um but yeah so i'm just turned 30 this year the big 3-0 i have two kids so my um, eldest is almost six and my youngest is almost three. So I've been a mum for, yeah, almost six years, which has been really where my life completely changed. Um, I have just rebranded my gym. So I started in the health and fitness world as Strong Mama's Health and Fitness, which I'm sure we're going to get into yes. more detail of everything. But we just rebranded our gym because my husband's on board now and we're both business owners and self-employed and we've got our gym called strong fams health and fitness so we build strong and healthy families so we're really passionate about working with mums and dads in the health and fitness world because it stemmed from me becoming a mum and kind of realizing that life is so different when you become a parent and also your health and fitness approaches need to be different and they need to be more realistic um, and more tailored and more understanding of life as a parent so um that's kind of did that did that stem from the gap that you saw that did yeah. or, or what was missing so when um, you were going through everything did you just was were you trying to reach out to people and trying to understand like things have changed in my life things have changed in my body mm-hmm. and it was like no one's giving me answers no one's mm-hmm. here to kind of help me in terms of what was what you, the experiences you were going through Mm, yeah, 100%. So me as a mother, 100%. So obviously for dads, like nothing changes in the pregnancy journey because you guys can physically keep doing whatever you're doing before. But so for me, yes, as a, as a woman and becoming a mother, there's a massive gap in the market in the pre and postnatal world. And I think it's just from lack of education about how important it is. So um and I just find from personal and professional experience now, there's there's, there's a huge gap in that there's women who were active before who just will not surrender to not being active at more of a egoic thing and more yeah. of like, this is my identity and I don't give a shit. Like I will train hard and I'm not losing my strength. There's that really small percentage of women. And then there's a huge gap of nobody that like people that don't do anything. And then obviously there's people who then um, are terrified of exercise, weren't active before and therefore don't do anything. And there was no one in between that was like, hmm, I'm active and especially doing strength training and how can I safely do this, confidently do this during my pregnancy and postnatal period in return. So I just found that like there was no middle section there. There was no coaches that I knew of that were like, hey, cool, you're pregnant? Great, you can keep training with me. I actually confidently know what is happening to your body, how to like how to train you through each phase, each trimester, what happens through the childbirth process, whether that's natural or cesarean. Like there's yeah. so much we could go into, but it definitely stemmed from 
me being in that position where I just got into strength training. I didn't want to give it up. Kind of winged it for my first pregnancy. I had a midwife said, just keep doing what you're doing. I was like, okay, I'm going to roll with that. I was very in touch with my body. So I kind of like, I didn't push myself to any extreme or anything like that. I stayed active. And as a result, I had a really positive pregnancy and birth. And I... I just felt like that was because of my health and my mindset and the way I moved my body, the way I nourished my body, a big percentage of it was that. And I just looked around me and even the stories that I'd been told before I became a mum, no one talked about loving pregnancy and loving birth and loving your body afterwards. I always just thought like, oh, here we go. Like, I'm going to get so fat. I'm going to just hate my body. But I guess that's what you do when you become a mum. And it, it wasn't like that for me. And I was like, mm, I don't think this is just coincidental. Like, I think everything that I've done in terms of my health and my fitness, and I educated myself about pregnancy and birth, I didn't just rock up and expect everything to go the way that I thought I wanted it to. I really, really educated myself. And I felt like that was a difference did, um, did you struggle to find that education so like yeah. I, I, I get a lot of of yeah. i've had quite a few um clients who have gone through pregnancies and continue to train with me during that and the amount of like misinformation mm. is just shocking it's uh, one of my ex-clients that i had she she went for the first scan went straight to the doctor and the doctor turned around and said no more training mm. and i sat there and i was like why why and the problem was she went straight into believing. It's like, that's what the doctor said. It's like, yeah. that's what I have to do. Yeah. And I just sat there and I was like, here's the studies. Here's mm, the information. She doesn't she make sense. downloaded an app straight away. And it's like the app told her this, this, and this. And like, yeah. she shouldn't be doing heart rate over 120. Yes. Yeah, and like all yeah. the standard stuff. And I just yeah. was like, fuck. What, what do I do? Yeah. And if, look... It's good that coaches go, oh, okay, yeah, this is not my field anymore. But then the doctors really, like, there's not a lot of doctors out there who are keeping up to date with the research. And it's just one of those things that it's like, oh, it's just safer for me to just say no to everything than to risk saying yes and something happened that may be linked back to this. And, like, and there's nothing out there to say that. But they just go on the super cautious side and it's really fucking well, hard. It, it, it's almost like, it, it, you know, they've signed up to do no harm, but at the same time, it's do no good. A hundred percent. They're erring on the side of do no harm yes. all the time that there's no positives anymore. It's like yes. you have a bad birthing experience. Yes. Now you don't love your body anymore. Yes. You're not being nourishful, like in terms of your food, like movement, movement all those types yep. of things. It's like you have a shitty experience to mm-hmm. me. Uh, and from a male's perspective, and it might be very different, but it's like, I would want that nine, ten months period because mm-hmm. ten months, as far as it I remember, months, it's ten yeah. months. Yes, good job. Good job. <laughs> um, I have actually delivered three kids in my life, and that's another story. Oh wow! Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. not a father, but delivered three yeah, kids. I love father, it. Delivered three, um, and I think that period should be magical. It should be an adventure. It, it's going to mm. be shitty. I'm sure from a hormonal level, like mm. I've had friends oh, who have It's definitely not easy, even I th- though I say it was a beautiful experience. I've definitely had rough periods. Well, exactly. And I think it's it's supposed to be it's supposed to be a journey. It's supposed to be an adventure. Mm-hmm. Adventures are shitty. Adventures yeah. are amazing. Have your ups and downs. Correct. And I think that's part of what the process should mm. be. But it's like here you've got someone who's just found out they're pregnant mm-hmm. and you've like instilled the fear of God in them that yeah. if they bend down and increase their heart oh, rate right, too yeah. much, it's like, the baby's dead. Yes. I sat there and I was like, this is fucked. Yeah, you're just like, uh, I don't want to be a part of this in so any like, way. How did you navigate that information at that period? It's like, you you were relatively young at that age. Yep. Or at that, yeah, at that I was age 25, yeah. Yep. So it's like, you're 25 years old. You're obviously knowledgeable. It's like, where did you go? Who did you turn to? How mm. did you 
how did you start to dive into this field yeah. and, and make it into the passion that you have now? Yeah, that's a great question. And I guess that's that's exactly why I created Strong Mamas because I couldn't find anyone at the time. So this was obviously almost six years ago. Like I said, my first midwife, I'm very grateful that she said to me, you can keep doing what you're doing, even though that's not the greatest advice and we can go into that a bit more detail. But that gave me the permission to keep training and it, and it actually just gave me an opportunity to kind of just tune in to what felt good and I tried to just make sure and I googled the fuck out of pre and postnatal and honestly don't go to google I mean I haven't checked in a while but at that time it was completely like so contradictory I'd find one post and it would say this I'd find one blog and it would say this but always check with your doctor if you're concerned I'm like but my doctor doesn't like I don't have a doctor and my midwife said to just keep doing what I'm doing and I'm just like why is it's not clear so I kind of just winged it for my first pregnancy. I didn't. I wasn't a pre and postnatal coach. I wasn't even a PT back then. And it wasn't till after I had birth. I didn't have any pelvic floor issues. I didn't um, had a natural birth, and I just I, I did have some tearing, which was like stitched up, and that was okay. Like, but otherwise, I recovered really well. I didn't have any abdominal separation. I didn't have any of the th- common things. So I kind of was just like, all right, I made it out, all right. Um, and I just think that was the fact that I kept quite active. Um, and I was very in tune with my body. If it didn't feel intuitively right, um, I didn't keep doing it, but there wasn't really anything that I was willing to do to even risk that anyway. So I kind of just winged it. And then it wasn't until in between, um, my second pregnancy, which would like was about two and a half years after I had my first son, I kind of hit like a really big low point in motherhood. I just, I thought being a mum was going to be like really fulfilling for me and it wasn't and I kind of um I actually just recorded this episode to go live on my podcast about my postnatal rock bottom so you can go and listen to that um to get a bit more detail but I basically found that I there was there was something missing for me like being a mum wasn't all there was for me and I felt like I had more to offer the world around me like I just felt this this emptiness that I was like, there's more for me than, than just being a mum. Like it's definitely opened up this whole other way of life for me. And I have this purpose of being a mother and being, you know, my son's teacher and leader and him teaching me and all of these things. But I'm like, there's more. And it wasn't, didn't, I don't, I don't really even know logically how I came up with Strong Mamas. It honestly just came to me when I really took the time to sit with, well, what is it that I love? What, what could I do that, um, I could serve the world through or like how can I contribute to the world in some way and, and just the name Strong Mamas came through me and I'm like reflecting back on my pregnancy and my birth and although motherhood was p- way harder for me than pregnancy and the birth, I was like, I feel like, you know, there's no one out there saying like stay active during your pregnancy, like look after your physical health and your um like and your emotional health through exercise and just loving your body and loving the process and you know prepping yourself physically for birth and the recovery like there's just no one out there doing that so the idea of strong mamas honestly just came to me and that's how I know it was like truly a calling because I just can't even remember like going hmm this sounds like a great business idea I was just like fuck yes this has got to happen so but that's because it wasn't it wasn't there for the money yeah, it wasn't it there really, for honestly, well, I'd never even sat down and looked at figures and being like, could I make an income out of this? It wasn't even about that at all. Like, I feel like I'm only just starting to do that and being like, oh, fuck, should have done this from the beginning. But like, yeah, it was truly just from the heart. So um, that's kind of where the idea came from. And then I, I 
spent so long, like months, researching pre and postnatal qualifications. I'm like, I think that's what it's called. And it just so happened that this company in the States that's quite really big now called Girls Gone Strong had just released their second um, intake of this pre and postnatal qualification. And it was like the intake was like the next month and they weren't going to be running one, another one for like six months. And I was just like, this is it. Um, this is it. And like it just it was really detailed. It was like it took me three to four months to do like online. And um, they have like 20 professionals that um, collaborated in it from all different medical and health fields. So it was really, really detailed, all evidence-based. It's got all the studies in every chapter. And I was like, oh my God, this. And it was about strength training during pregnancy and postnatal period. And that just opened up my world of like, holy shit, I thought I knew a little bit about it, but oh my God. I'm like, I w- totally winged my first pregnancy, thank God, but second pregnancy and I'd just fallen pregnant as well when I got the, when I started studying it and I was just like, oh my God, okay, I'm using myself as a dummy. I'm going to learn all this ASAP and I'm going to apply it all. And I'm just really going to take this pregnancy as an opportunity to just completely delve into this whole pre and postnatal world. And it became more and more aware to me that like, oh my God, like no one knows any of this stuff. And I'm like, why? I know so many mums and I know so many mums to be that wouldn't even know half these terms or like um, just what even happens to your pregnancy through each phase of the trimester and what are your hormones doing and what's your respiratory system doing and like what are your muscles doing, what's your body doing in the process, which one is just like amazing what our body is designed to do. Like it's so empowering when I read about it. I'm like our bodies are fucking epic. Without us even thinking about it, they're just fully making this baby. It's unreal and preparing our body for birth and then the recovery process and just – how underrated birth is like literally mums are just expected to just get back to it and literally look after this child 24 7 you have a a natural birth and it's what three days later you're out of the hospital four days later depending depend i mean if you're if you're at home you you stay at home but um completely depends on your situation but you can go home the same day but um in particular cesareans like it is major abdominal surgery no one treats it like they do if you go and get a knee reconstruction yep. and it's way more impactful on the oh, body huge your recovery time on like a, a c-section is is huge compared to yeah any equivalent surgery of what i would would equate it to i suppose and like when you get a hip replacement or a knee surgery you're like fully bedridden everyone does everything for you until you feel fine Mothers go home and they have to mother their child. They have yep. to get up. They have to pick their child up. They have to feed their child. Like, it's crazy. And then you wonder why these mums are in constant physical pain. And, it, and then they begin, to, they begin to hate their postnatal experience. They feel out of touch with their body. It's like their body failed them. They, they don't even feel like this body is theirs anymore. And it's like this whole just fucked well, th- up There's thing. a disconnect between, like, that process that we were talking about. It's like that birthing process the the beauty of it that should uh, have occurred it's like mm. it's not the negative yeah it's like my Forget body my body rejected like me seconds. essentially it's uh, i'm in constant pain it didn't function the way naturally mm-hmm. it should have mm-hmm. and i think like i've spoken to a couple mothers who have had cesareans over over naturals and they, i don't want to say they've, they've looked at it and gone this has been a negative or it's like it, it's a bad experience so it's but they've sat there and the conversation or the words that have come out from their mouth is like my body didn't function the way it should have. Like, why didn't it? Yeah. Why was I not good enough to, mm, to go through? My body failed me. Yeah. yeah. My body had failed me. And I sat there and I was like, it's the wrong way for you to look at it. Mm-hmm. But 
I feel like that's the way yeah. it's spoken about. It's like mm-hmm. C-section is used when there's a problem. It's yeah. used when, you know, the natural birth is now not an option anymore. Mm-hmm. It's used as a s- well sometimes and this is there's, yeah. a, there's a whole you it's know, supposed to be it's let's put it that way Correct. yeah it's supposed to be and i think you're right in saying that that it's the way that we look at it but i think what happens is and you know i haven't had a cesarean f- myself so i'm speaking from experience that of stories that i've heard i've i've worked closely both you know myself but also as friends with midwives like i'm in the birthing world a lot like i hear a lot of stories and circumstances and not a lot of cesareans are really the cesareans that needed to happen. And I think that's where women feel the most let down by is like afterwards hearing similar birthing stories with different care providers and they going, oh, well, that wasn't an option for me. They told me that the cesarean had to happen or they made me do this and that made my baby's heart rate drop. But what if that didn't happen? Would I have had to have the cesarean? There's so much of the like what ifs because the care wasn't there. And I think that's where a lot of the um, resentment comes around cesareans. And also just like no one no one gives them like an aftercare plan, like an after surgery care plan. You, you know, you go back and you get a six-week checkup, but it's just like has your bleeding stopped? Is the scar infected? That's kind of it. No one tells you about scar massage. They don't tell you how then your whole entire body functioning changes, especially when returning to exercise because you've just cut through essentially, I think it's like seven layers of muscle tissue, like so much stuff. And if it's an emergency, that's not done precisely oh, and no, neatly. It's, it's, it's ripped in there. Very so like. Yeah. There's it, a it's big grab on from each side scar, and it's yeah. It. Yep. There's a big scar in there and like that impacts how the whole entire body functions. And that's what I mean when women say they don't feel like this body is theirs anymore. But no one told them about this. They weren't told about a pelvic floor and a women's health physio. They weren't told how then this would change the function of your pelvic floor and have you had your abdominal wall checked. Like nobody tells them about these things and they just go on about their day and it's like, you know, you, you don't you don't whinge about motherhood and you don't, you don't dare to whinge about not feeling it because, you know, you've got a baby there, you need to be grateful and it's like all these hormones and all this whole new life and it's just, yeah, this whole other world you're into but there's a lot of shame around feeling the way you feel. I think it's, it's exactly that. It's the shame that you've brought this life into this world. Mm-hmm. It's like you like you're you asked for it. You asked for it. You should be grateful. Yeah. You, you should, like, look what you've done. Look at the amazing thing you've done. It's like, I... 100% agree and uh, you know it's an amazing feat and it's 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 a gift to go through birth and to to birth a child but it's also it's like your health mm-hmm. you are now a you're still an individual you're still a person it's like yes you you still matter yeah you st- exactly <laughs> you still have a voice you're still allowed exactly. to say this fucking sucks exactly but i also love it like it's 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 really hard and i don't think and this is why I'm so passionate about sharing as much as I can on on my Instagram and me as a coach and um, on my podcast now. It's like, let's just normalize all of the feelings. We don't have to say that we only hate motherhood and we only love it. Like, it, it, it's it's a balance of everything. And it's okay. I'm still a good mom because I feel like that. So, here's a question. And I've spoken about it on a few different things depending on the topics. Like, how much of being a mother is now an identity? I think it's everything. Your, your your whole world changes. Like as soon as that baby is in your arms, it's no longer just about you anymore. It feels like it never is because you can't just go and do what you want to do. There's someone that like firstly, the first year of a life, like a child will die if it 
like if it's not near you, you like you are literally responsible for their well-being. So that's overwhelming. It's beautiful, but it's also like totally anxiety-provoking that yeah, like well, this uh, child will die if I don't tend to its needs. So the question, uh, follow-up on that is then, is like how do you not lose yourself? <sighs> that's and a really good question, and I'm still just figuring that out. I think you lose yourself, but you're supposed to so you can find yourself again. And I don't think a lot of mums get that. They're just lost. And they're just like, this is it. This is what being a mother is, right? It's not about me anymore. And it's like, you just think, oh, well, when they're one, when they go to school, when they're in high school, when they move out, I'll get my life back. I'll get myself back. But I don't feel like you ever get there. You you just like, then you just almost find excuses to keep in your child's life because you don't know what it's like to be not your child's everything. So I think we there should be some more conversation around, okay, well, how can I find myself whilst also still being a really dedicated mum? And I think that can show up in so many other ways. So for me, being a stay-at-home mum and just being a mum, it just it that wasn't the identity process that I thought like that wasn't all there was for me is what I keep saying and I keep coming back to. Yeah. And so that was really hard to sit with and accept. And I think I avoided that for the first year of my son's life because I'm like, I can't say that because I'm a mom. Like, this is what I do now. And I wanted this. And, you know, I found excuses to go back to work. Like, financially need it. But really, I just wanted some fucking time to myself. But then the work that I hate, the work I was doing didn't light my soul on fire. So then there was this guilt attached. And I was like, fuck, what am I doing? Like, I don't want to be around my son 24-7. Am I okay with that? Why do I feel like this? And if I'm not going to be around him, what am I going to be doing so that I return a better mum or a more fulfilled mum? And so this was the identity process for me where I was like, mm, okay, like I, this all needs to change. And so for me, that's what I mean when the, when the calling of strong mamas and the purpose came to me because I was like, there's more for me. Some mums find that being a stay-at-home mum is all there, like all there is for them in that time, and they're really accepting that. Okay, well, my kids are going to go to school in five years, but for these next five years, I'm so in this identity of being a 24/7 mum. And I've met mums who say, you know, even though they have their times where they're like, "Fuck, I wish I did something else," you know, when I go to bed at night, I'm like, "Cool, just play with my kids all day today." But they are really happy with that, so they say. Do but is that something that you then focus on with your your clients or your your mothers and your even your your fathers from that side? I mean, I I want to try and understand this of coming from someone who doesn't have kids and doesn't have that family aspect from that side. It's like I'm very scared that whoever the partner is that I land up with that we will lose each other mm-hmm. and lose each other from the partnership that we come up together. Yeah. And I understand that you're not necessarily losing each other. You're growing or developing mm-hmm. into a new unit, a new family, yeah. or a, a new aspect of what it is. But it's to me, it's very frightening to take on the identity of something that I don't want to say isn't you, mm-hmm. but is now a, a name and identity. It's like, I, I have a, a very big problem and that's, not the right word, but something I can think of. It's like in attaching yourself to one identity and mm. one identity only. Yeah. So it's like it's playing with that thought process and understanding that motherhood, fatherhood from that side. Because I, I know many fathers who identify, uh, identity, uh, identify, that's the word yep. I'm looking for, <laughs> as a father and a father only. Yes. And I sit there going, it's like, no, you're not a father. 
mm, only. It's, it's like one of the I'm roles that you play. And I think that's the difference. It's like maybe it's the language that mm. needs to be choosed or chosen or, or yep. like thought about. It's like you are the I, – I, your role is to be a mother, mm-hmm. but you are Rachel. Yes, 100%. And I think mothers forget about that. And one, like we kind of just don't even uh, – we're not even aware. Like you just – it's out of self-love and the, and the mothering nature that we have is to just give our all – but you get to a point, and I, I've seen this with every mother, whether they say it or not, you get to a point where you're like, fuck, I can't keep doing this anymore. Like, but should I? Is this what being a good mom? Like, I literally was like, I will go to the ends of the earth of self-sacrifice because that's what being a good mom is. And I had to sit and rewrite with that and say like, but is it? At what cost? Because I thought I was doing everything for my son, but then I wasn't happy and I was like, what the fuck is this? Am I just not like enjoying it more than I should or is this just not the way it's supposed to be and for me I was like being a good mum doesn't mean losing myself it doesn't mean me not having a voice at all it's like how can I meet in the middle of where I I do like and I will say that my priority in my life is my children first and foremost 100% I will say that but it's not my only focus now and I don't have any guilt attached to that anymore I did it first because I was like oh fuck if I think about myself for a second then you know my kids are going to miss out and it's like well no not really what they're missing out on is the most fully authentic alive version of you and if that's at the cost of your physical presence being somewhere else or your focus being somewhere else then I think that's a win so I had to really sit with like okay if my kids are going to go to daycare, they're going to be in care with somebody else like so that I can get some time back for myself to serve the world how I want to or whatever. You don't even need to be doing a job. Like if it's just you taking your time to do whatever you want to do that lights you up that's outside of being a mom, then I think it's so vital. Like you said, we can't just identify s- ourselves as a mother only. And I think we've just got to fig- like really sit down with all the roles that we play and not let motherhood overtake that because it can overtake your relationship. It did for me too. Yep. And I felt for my husband because he was just like, cool, well, you know, we went from sleeping next to each other in the bed to now we've got a child in between us. And now I don't even sleep in the same bed with him because I'm co-sleeping with my kids. He's at the gym every night. Like it's just the way it is. But, you know, you go from being each other's number one to then a mother just fully putting her child first. And because she has to, especially if she's breastfeeding and all that, like, like I said, the the survival of that child depends on the mother, but you get caught in that trap too, and your relationship suffers. And I, every single person that's spoken about it has agreed. And I, again, I don't think it's spoken about enough. And I'm always like to my husband, "Can we speak more about this publicly?" And I know it's such a fine line because it's private stuff, but I will just say that we did struggle, and our relationship did struggle, and at times still does because our children are growing and we're going into new phases, and obviously now being business. Um, owners together is another pressure but I think the question that like you are or the point you raised about you know you being worried about the person that you're going to have kids with um, losing herself and you guys kind of being disconnected in that way if that's what I yeah that's exactly that's exactly interpreted correctly getting from yeah yeah I think it's bound to happen regardless and what's the hardest thing I think is that fathers don't like biologically go through the same process as we do. So that's just first out, putting it out there. But it doesn't mean that you guys can't try and be on the same page, even though that you're not physically and emotionally going to go through the same like chemical response that we do. I think 
the first thing is just talking about it and really knowing that her world's completely changed. And I, and I, what I see fathers is, is okay. Like obviously during the pregnancy, say you guys both have your nine to five jobs, like you go to work as normal and like occasionally you'll remember, Oh, I'm having a baby. I'm having a baby. Like occasionally, like, or someone says, how's your wife going or whatever? How's your partner going? It was like a mother's like thinking about it every minute, every day, whatever you eat, whatever you move, every time you go to the toilet, like it's always on your mind. So there's like that difference there. And then obviously you have the baby. You both like usually have two weeks off together and all of that stuff. And you're really in it together. And then when the, the, the pivotal moment is when the father goes back to work, which is this is usually a, the scenario that happens. And the mother's at home by herself. And when the baby comes out of like the two, three week newborn mark, they really get a voice. They start to, they're awake a lot more and it's really hard to put them down. And you guys have gone back to work and life is somewhat the same for you, but you just get to come home to a really cute baby as well. Yet your mother is like, the mother is just like, what the fuck? Like finding her feet, struggling to even just like go to the toilet alone or without a screaming baby or trying to just figure it all out. And that goes on and on and on for months. And it's like you guys are on two different paths, like going in a completely different direction, unless you make the time to come back with each other. And that can be that's so individualized of like how you do that. But I think that's where it goes wrong is that like just life resumes differently. Like the mother, it's never the same. The father, it's somewhat the same. And this is just from personal experience of stories and my situation as well. So it took a lot for me to be like, to raise that conversation and one, just even finding time for yourselves mm. without the baby yeah. is really hard. It's, it's, it's Depending even if you have like family available and stuff. So like, it's just, it's hard, but it needs to be a priority to stay on track. Like to just be able to hear her out because you'll never know unless she tells you and she can't tell you unless she sits with her emotions enough to realize what's going on for her to be able to communicate her needs. And I think that's the start. Um, so just to do- normalize that, yes, it's going to be really difficult because you're just not on the same wavelength, but it, but you, it, there's no reason you can't be. And, and that, I think... That, I think that all just comes down to the, the, old, the old age testament of just communication. So. I was literally about to say, the communication that you already have to, to really just like, even just as like, I think if a father or a father-to-be just could even just open that door and be like, look, our whole world's going to change soon. I want to let you know that I want to know wh- how you're really feeling. Yeah. And I want you to know that even if I'm busy or I'm stressed, you know, because guys still have their stresses too. Like, absolutely, you still have it hard. But I want you to know that you can always talk to me about it and I want to make sure that we still feel connected, that we're still in this together. Yeah. And let me, tell me how I can be of service to you. How can I help you? And it's so hard, especially what my husband struggled with because, you know, I chose to exclusively breastfeed. That's really what I wanted to do. I wanted to co-sleep and all of those things. So the, my son and my daughter was on me a lot and wanted to be on me a lot. But that didn't mean that he couldn't help in other ways to keep our, like to keep me supported and, and our relationship thriving. Yeah. So. It, and it was different for both our children. We had different children, different experiences, different lives at those times. So I had to be really clear. And I think some women are like, well, I don't want to fucking tell him what to do. Can't he just see how to help me? It's like, well, no, sometimes they just, they don't know. Just well, well, give us. I'm, I'm speaking from personal experience <laughs> yeah. as a male. It's like, yeah. just fucking tell just me. Just fucking tell me. Th- it's like, tell me yeah. you want the dishes stacked in this way yep. on this day in this time. And I'll be like, yep. done. 
or like even just offering like I think the biggest thing you can do is be like do you want me to take the baby and not fucking freak out that it cries I think a lot of guys and dads are like ah, I don't have a boob I don't have this like what do I do it's like you know what sometimes we have the baby too and we've already tried the boob and we've tried everything and they're still fucking crying and we're always the one that's left to soothe it like just even that again just being like I'm happy to help out if I know they don't need to be fed and maybe they're upset about something else like go and have half an hour to yourself and when we come back be like it was great even if the baby cried the whole time and you're like holy fuck it's been two minutes where is this 28 minutes gonna go like just just know that like you're in this with us like too that's the best thing when I say to my husband I just want to know that like you're in this with me. Like, it doesn't have to be perfect. I don't expect you to stop the kids crying all the time. I just expect you to just sit in the mess with me. Just to yeah. stay with me. Don't leave the me mud. to do everything. Just, yeah. just get dirty. Yeah. Whatever happens, sit happens. Sit me, laugh it off with me and be like, holy fuck, this is hard, but we're doing it together. I think that's the piece. It's like, just just be there. Even if, if, even if, like, I hear stories of guys that get up with their wife in the middle of the night to help feed the baby. And I'm like, that is so sweet to just be like, look, I know I'm not feeding the baby, but I'll, I'll get up with you. So I know what it feels like to be tired and I'm here for you. Like, little things like that. But I think we're in this together. Even though I'm doing a lot of the work and I'm happy to, it's my motherly role. I want to know that you see me and you see what I'm doing and you're there if I just need you, even if it's just for a second to be like, oh, look, I fed the baby and he won't go back to sleep. Can you have a go? Be like, yep, I'll do it. Even if I've got to be at work in two hours, it's like we're in this together. Yeah. It's not just my responsibility. So how much of that whole process is is pre-conceiving? How much of that, that conversation do you think should be had before you even start the process? As much as possible. And I say that because... You don't really know what you're in for until you're there. Like, you just until you're in the trenches. And yeah, like <laughs> you just don't sort of you just don't get it of like all the little things that become such big things afterwards, and all the little um, expectations of of babies and toddlers and like all the phases. Like it's like too hard to explain it to you there. But to just even just plant that seed, I think, is a starter before it, and just and to just really sit down with each other and say like, look, we're gonna get lost along the way, but what is a way we can come back to each other? How, yeah. how Like, is it a date night monthly? And like literally pencil that in and like pen it in actually, because pencil, pen you can rub it out, pen it in and make it happen. No matter like, unless obviously your child's extremely sick or something, but even if you've had a shit day, you're tired, just fucking make it a priority. Because I just think that's super, super important. Um, to well, just it's, it's making have it sure there. that you two in the relationship don't get lost. Yes, and acknowledging your role as you know you don't have to be married husband and wife whatever partners whatever to really just to to like you're saying to each other that us as lovers together as a relationship kids aside matters and let's find time yes things are going to change because we're parents now but we still deserve to prioritize our relationship and connect with each other in ways that fulfill us outside of parenthood 100 percent, and that's kind of like it's scary if I think about that as a, a single man thinking about it, it's like I know all the shit that I've got mm. I know like I, I've got a lot of shit to deal with and I've got a lot of things that I need to try and process from you know traumas that I've gone through experiences that I've gone through mm. etc it's like to process that to be able to communicate that with a partner and and build the relationship etc from that side and then add like let's throw the, the bomb in on top of it. Like mm. that, that's what it that is. Like it is. Oh, it, it's, it, it's literally a bomb. It just like fucks everything up and blows it all up. And so, I mean, we, we've kind of chatted about this a bit, for, you know, 
little bit. But yeah. We, we've spoken about like the previous traumas that mm. you as an individual would go through. Yeah. It's like, how difficult is that to make sure that that doesn't happen with your child or cause question. a cause yeah. not I don't want to say cause a problem but affect the way that the upbringing of the the child is yeah. then in place. That's such a great question and it's something I had no idea about before I became a mum and even my husband as well like I'm really opening up doors for him that he never thought about as well and it can be quite scary depending on your childhood but 100% your childhood and like your conditioning as a child and what you were told and the messages you were told and the rules you were told of this is good this is bad yes or no everything will come out as a parent no matter how much you try and this is scary but it's also a really beautiful thing because it's an opportunity for you to be like holy shit, what was I told as a child? How was I shown to view the world, to view myself in the world, to view as right or wrong? And obviously today's society is very different than when we were children. So like really just getting a chance to be like, what are the messages that I want my kids, that I want to send to my kids? What are the belief systems that I want them to have? How do I want to view themselves? And therefore, how am I embodying that today? So a lot of the change needs to happen, all of the change needs to happen with us so that we embody it. And we can teach our children. So I don't think it matters how much trauma you had or not. I didn't even realize I had trauma until I had a child. But I'm leaning into this now. So it happens to every child. Uh, It happens to every parent. I think like spiritually, if you want to go into the whole spiritual world, I think children are sent here as teachers. They're here to teach us something in our lifetime. And they will be, I think I read a quote the other day, like they are the gatekeepers to our wounds if we are able to lean into those triggers. So your children will trigger the fuck out of you, especially when they become toddlers. Oh my God. And they have a voice and an opinion and you're just like, oh my God. And I used to really resist that at first because I was like, Mm-mm, I'm in control here. But the more I learned about conscious parenting and also realized that I was suffering in that process, I was like, wait. What if my son is here to teach me and my daughter too, but my son in particular, what is, what if he's here to teach me something like, why is he triggering me? Okay. I'm going to sit with that trigger and I'm going to break it down and be like, okay, well, what's the belief behind this? Why is that triggering me? And I've just like been able to map out all of these things, all these beliefs I was told, whether that's my parents or people at school, my peers, like the world, anything that I'd seen or absorbed or been told as a child, because we're essentially like a sponge in those oh to seven years, we are just shown all these things that become like our blueprint. So they become like part of our identity yeah. and how we show up and what we believe. Um, yeah, like leaning into that, I was like, whoa, I'm going to rewrite that. I don't like that belief. I don't like that. I don't like that. You know, my son's shown me that there's another way to look at this and that and what's good and bad and what's right and wrong and what what is like yeah what are beliefs that I'm holding on to that are holding me back in the way that I show up in the world as a person like you can get so deep and so spiritual in it but I think like don't be afraid of what's going to come up because everything comes up to be healed yeah. if you just if open you, to that well if you lean into it as you're yeah. saying it's like otherwise it op- everything comes up to piss you off <laughs> it's like one way or the other you either let it piss you off and just like have a miserable life and just yell at your kids all the time or you allow it to open up these yeah, wounds well, for you for healing. I think you posted it, I don't know, the other day or whenever it was, it's like if your kid is triggering you, it's like it's triggering you. Yes. It's not because your mm. child is doing something wrong or something yes. inappropriate or whatever it is. It's like their action is causing you to have an emotion. It's like, mm-hmm. why are you having that emotion? Yes. And I think, like, I don't look at that just from a kid's perspective. I look at that in everyday life. It's like, yeah. 
everything triggers you. Exactly. Like someone said something at work and you're like, oh, that fucking pissed me off. I hate that she said that. It's like, why? Why? Exactly. What did it's that a, reveal? Exactly. It's like, it, it, it's it's an emotion that you are eliciting. So mm-hmm. it's like, why does it bother you? Yeah. Why is it against your values? Is mm. it against like something you've been brought up with? It's like th- there's so many things to the word trigger. Yes. And I think it gets thrown around a little bit. Uh, it, it's very thrown around now. It's definitely yeah. um, it, like it's that a hot me, topic. That triggered me. That triggered me. Triggered you. Are you triggered by that? And it's like, wait, what even is a trigger? I think Peter Crone explained something like um, it's a resistance to show you a way you might not be free. Something like that. That really sort of resonated with me where I was like, ooh, okay, when I'm triggered by something, is it is there a lack of freedom in that um, particular topic or something? Like, where is it showing me where I'm not free? So, say I'm triggered by someone who seems to be really wealthy or something. I'm like, oh, that really triggers me. And I'm like, why? Because I don't feel free in my financial wealth right now, for example. It's a good, it's a good way to look at it. It's, so it's, it's, like, it's a good mm. definition around it too. To, I think it's a good journal prompt as much yes, as I don't 100%. journal. Even, yeah, well, even we can get to that. <laughs> even like um, in terms of your health and fitness, say so you see someone that's like, you know, really skinny or looking really amazing and you feel triggered by that because you feel not free in your relationship in, with your body and yourself. Yes, so exactly. when I see that, I'm like, mm, where is it telling me that I'm not free? There's no freedom in there. And I'm like, oh, when I lean into that, I'm like, oh, okay. That's what it's trying to tell me. So, well, that's that. I think that's the right, the right question to ask when those emotions come up. Yeah. So you you mentioned something there, conscious parenting. Yep. What is that? Ah. Oh. Because I don't know. I have. I love this one. <laughs> well, I just did a podcast. So I don't so you can listen to it. But I'll just try and remember everything that I said. But basically, conscious parenting is being open to the fact that your children are sent here to teach you things, and that. Do you um, not think w- we as humans are sent here to teach each other things? Yeah. So it's not just uh, yeah. just kids. So I really, like, I'm really getting into, like, spirit babies and why we are sent to this earth in this lifetime and all of these things. I think everybody is sent here. Every single person is sent here with a unique gift or a new, unique um, way of looking at life to teach somebody else something in this lifetime. And we all have that gift. So, but I don't think many of us lean into it and we're not aware of it. But I do think that um, that's why we're all here. But I, in particular, children, like... They are sent to their specific parents for a reason. So I even look at that myself that like there's no point in me resenting the way that I was brought up or whatever. I was sent to my parents for their reasons and they were supposed to be my parents for my reasons and my pain and my suffering and everything I endured as a child, it was meant to be because I've like now evolved into my own parent and I'm going to do things to my kids that probably like are going to be their pain and suffering, but it's all for, it's all meant to be. So they're teaching me how I can grow and in the process they're going to grow. And then, you know, I can't be conscious to everything. I'm probably going to fuck them up in ways that I didn't realize, but I'm trying to minimize it. But, you know, we're all here to teach each other something and through that comes pain and suffering. And that's what conscious parenting about is about. It's like realizing that, the child's here really for our evolution and our growth more than than it is for them. I just think that like we can spend our whole childhood and early teens and um, early 20s, whenever you become a mom, it's usually around that mark and obviously for dads too, but we can be so conditioned by, like I said, our caregivers, our peers, or the world, or the news, what was happening. Like think, think of kids like growing up in this COVID time, like it's a very different world right now than it was for us and will be like there's a lot of anxiety and around and all of that but I just think um 
yeah, like they're sent to us for a reason. So I think we are really conditioned and it's almost like we get lost in the whole world of how we were raised at the time, what was told to us. And then these children are essentially these unconditioned, free-spirited, unconditionally loving children, like these totally untouched souls that come into this world and it's like they're here to fucking shake things up and you're like, whoa. I have been running on this whole treadmill all my life of like looking at the world like this and we get in the race of earning money and working hard and blah, blah, blah. And then there's this beautiful being that is present, truly present and um, resistance to certain things. And you just kind of go like, oh, wow, like they are here to shake things up. And a lot of mums can feel resistance to that because they're like, Mm-mm, my kid's out of control and wild. I was that mum. Now I'm like, fuck, I love the wild kids. What are you here to teach us? Like... You know, we, we spend so much time trying to, like, control kids to be good kids and good kids are quiet kids. But it's like, whoa, wait, maybe they've got more knowledge and um, wisdom and intuition than we do. And they're here to, like, rewrite ancestral beliefs and all of these things. Like, it's quite spiritual conscious parenting when you look at it. I just think that that, I hope that makes sense. Like, yeah, in a does. nutshell of, like, why they're here and if we can lean into that and, and see so our child as a gift. What, what was the penny drop for you that changed your, your parenting style? My, my first year of motherhood, like, and I, I did just record a podcast about my postnatal rock bottom, but, like, my son was really what you call spirited, so just very, like, you know, if they cry, the whole world can hear it, um, their tantrums are big, their emotions are big, don't like being told, don't like strangers, like, all of these things where... You just feel like, oh, my God, my child is so, like, hard to deal with and, like, it doesn't do what everybody else does and he doesn't sleep when all these books say they should sleep and he doesn't feed when all these He's difficult. Difficult. Difficult right? would, be, would be the definition yeah. that society is kind of... Yes. Oh, you've got a hard baby. And I ran with that story for the first 12 months and I literally spent the entire 12 months trying to fix him because I believed he was wrong. And now, and it wasn't until I really hit a rock bottom and I didn't just go, oh, conscious parenting, that's what it is. It kind of evolved to be that. But I basically, it's it's almost like, again, my soul just kind of came and was like, oi, you're doing this all fucking wrong and your kid is here to teach you something like this isn't supposed to be hard and it's not your son's fault. It's the way that you're looking at it and you're not open to this and like I say that now looking back, but at the time, that's not what I felt like I was being told. I was just like, what the fuck? Like, but I literally sat with it and like, we went away for a family holiday and you know, I'm, we're, I'm in Canada on a white Christmas, like living my best life according to Instagram. But I started turning to alcohol every night and like, I am not a drinker. Like I never drink. I literally hate the taste of alcohol. I just drink to get drunk. And I started, yeah. What are you supposed to do as far as I know? Well, when people come home, they're like, oh, can't wait to have a glass of wine. I'm like, I'm just like gagging, drinking. I'm like, am I drunk yet? Am I drunk yet? So I'm not an alcohol drinker. So for me, that was big. And I was like, just couldn't wait till nighttime. Like hurry up my son, go to sleep. And I just want to go and drink and get drunk because I just felt out of my shell. And I was like, God, this is so wrong. I know this is like a distraction of my feelings, but it feels good. I'm just going to keep doing this. But it wasn't until like I literally was snowboarding like in beautiful Whistler and I sat down for a bit and I was just looking at this view and my son was back at the cabin with my mum who like thank God just watched him every day so I could ski and snowboard because I like honestly just didn't even want him there I was like resentful that he was with me I was just like I fucking hate being a mum I just want to just do what I want and just really in a shit place um 
And I sat there and I was looking out at this view and I was like, oh my God, externally, I have everything that I've always wanted. I've ticked every box off of like the travel, having a family, having a house, all these things. And I'm like, I'm so fucking miserable and I don't want to go back and see my son. That is not right. This is not how it's supposed to be. I was like, this poor innocent child is just being who he is and I'm resenting him. I'm like, this is not even a fucking about him anymore. Like, I've got to go see someone. Like, surely it shouldn't be this hard. And I, that just sort of came to me at that moment where I was just like, I can't keep doing this anymore and I can't keep doing this to him. Like, I feel so bad that I don't want to be around him. And, like, I feel bad saying that, but it's just how I felt. And that was the start of my sort of spiritual awakening and my self-development journey into learning more about what motherhood had unraveled for me and what it had started to show me that I wasn't leaning into. So, Do you think uh, there's more mothers who don't have that penny drop? Yep. Fuck yeah. We just, we just label it as this is what is being a mother is about. And I think I look at that again. It's like there's so much more to that whole conversation that goes into mental health, goes into so mm. many other things. It's, it's you should be grateful that you've had a kid. Yep. Shut up. Deal with it. Yeah. You asked for this. Yeah. Yep. And, and I think it's the wrong approach and it's I see it from the male side I can understand mm. that as well it's like so my next question with all of that is like what was your husband doing how was your husband handling everything going on mm, we didn't speak about it and that was me really because he didn't really know what was going on because I didn't really know what was going on in my mind I didn't I didn't want to like say I didn't have the courage and the vulnerability to be like hey like I'm really struggling and I wasn't I didn't grow up in a family especially of mothers that were like I need help can someone help me please it was like I'll fucking do it myself I I can do this myself I, it just wasn't the conversations we had so I went and saw someone myself and it wasn't wasn't for a while that I kind of really did sit with my husband and be like I'm really struggling and I need to go and see someone and or I am seeing someone and this is why I kind of needed to know what what it was that I was lacking or um, struggling was with for then to have that conversation and then it kind of became like well we need to be on the same page and and this is still an ever-growing journey of like when even in a relationship when one person starts in self-development their whole world and can change and their core values can change and their wants and needs and desires and goals like it all changes and it's so hard when you've already got a life with someone else and you have to share children with them and you as a person start to change so I definitely felt like there was a bit of like um, disconnection at first because I was like, whoa, I'm changing and I need some space to really work through this. And I didn't say this at the time, but it's kind of what happened. It's like I almost kind of disengaged myself from the relationship because I'm like, I just need to figure this out. So I definitely think there was a period where we were really disconnected and I think he'll agree as well. Um, but then it took me to come back and be like, okay, look, like I've had some time to myself and this is what I'm feeling. And, you know, I really want to change the way that we parent and... And it's kind of these things that you like, you don't have these conversations about what, are, like, how are you going to respond to your son having a tantrum in public at the shops? And how are you going to respond to your son not saying please and thank you to your dad? Like, or that your kid hits another kid in the playground. Like, you don't have these conversations until they happen because you don't even know that there's a conversation yeah. worth having. Yeah. But again, just being open to connecting with each other along the way to be like whoa what's our parenting style what's our parenting method how do we parent how do we want to parent what are the messages we want to send to our kids and as a result what are the words or rules that we're going to put in place f 
for that and we need to be on the same page because one, we'll hate each other because you're saying one thing, I'm saying another and we're going to fight in front of our kids. It's already confusing. And two, like, yeah, we're just not going to feel like we're doing this together. The kids are going to be confused. They're going to take sides of whoever rule they like the best and we're all going to be out of sync and we're all going to be disconnected and confused. And that's not what I wanted for our family and our relationship. And I think you have to approach it in a really, what is this going to... um, not like, not like, oh, hey, this is what I believe and I like this and I, 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 I. It's like, well, what will this create for our family? What will this create for our relationship? What will this create for our children? Who's going to benefit from us being on the same page? Yep. Like putting it like that rather than, oh, well, I've done ha- my research. Having the communication, like saying, understanding mm-hmm. that both opinions matter. Yep. Both ideas matter from that side. It's like if you both buy into the process, you're both more likely to... Yep stay in the process and yeah and I just sort of said to my husband like I need to know that you're committed to growth too and it's so hard because you're just kind of like look I know more than you I've read the conscious parent book and I've done this course and I've done this blah 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 blah, blah. I, I, I'm really mindful now to not just be like I know more than you and I'm more spiritual than you and therefore I am better x y and z I'm just like look at the end of the day I need to know that we're doing this together and that we can both come together and you're open to my ideas since I'm the one looking into it a bit more than you are um, and that's taken a while to come from that approach because before that it was like, holy fuck, we're doing saying things to our kids that I really don't want to say anymore. Like, you know, little things of like, you know, good boy and good girl. I was like, we'll stop saying that. And he's like, fucking hell. Like, why? Like, really like, because the way I said it was like, oh my God, don't say that. And he's like, whoa, can you explain? And so it's like coming from a real place of love of like, well, you know, I don't want our kids to feel like they have to be good all the time and they're only loved when they're good. And I know that sounds like so like, okay right oh but I'm like no like we're sending them a message and this is going to become part of their blueprint of like you're only accepted if you show up as a good girl or a good boy in the world and it's like what is what will that carry on you know this is shown up for me in my life and it's like when you explain it from that point of view it's like oh yeah okay well what can we do together then to, what else can we say so again it's like how you approach the conversation as things arise and just getting clear on what did you, what do you want for your children? Like what are the messages I think or what are the belief systems you want them to have? And if you don't even know what your own belief systems are, your own values, you're have a problem. then you're going to be like, mm, I don't know. Um, so that's why I think like self-development is so important for both parents. And I think there is nothing more um, loving and sh- like important as a, as a wife and a mother from her partner or the father of her children for him to be dedicated to self-development too as a parent as well. Like when a father, I just think there's nothing more. And like when you said to me, let's have this conversation, I was like, oh my God, you're going to be the best dad ever. Just from the fact that you understand how important the role is and you're wanting to learn more and you're wanting to do quote unquote the right thing. Yeah. Like I just think a lot of fathers don't look at it like that or they're just like, I don't know, the mum's with them all the time they do it. And it's like, no, you guys still matter too. And how you support your wife or the mother of your children and how you guys are as a family, even if that's just on the weekends because you work all the week, it doesn't matter. Like you're still there and you still matter and you can really, really create this beautiful family and this beautiful connection, this beautiful thriving relationship when you're on the same page and you're both committed to growth. Yeah, and you know, it's why I reached out to you from the side. It's like I want to understand this process I yeah. want well as I say I understand yeah, I don't we'll think we'll any of us will somewhat understand somewhat prepared yeah somewhat prepared we'll just have the conversation it's it, it, you know I've been diving into communication being one of those things of, of trying to understand how to better communicate for multiple of reasons one 
I'm shitty at communicating and that's yep. why I have failed I mean, relationships. It's helpful in all areas Fuck. of life. But I look, started looking at it and I, I, I've said this and mentioned it before. It's like the more I delved into the arts of communication, it's like I got better at coaching. Yes. I got better oh. at being a better human yep. being. I got better at listening. Mm. And I think that was the key thing. It's like I started really focusing on communication and I sat there and was like, I don't listen well. Yeah, it's an art to listen. It's to like actually a, listen. It, to actually listen. And so the big thing that you spoke through that whole thing and what I want to, it's a sensitive question, so feel free. Right. Let's go there. So here's my question is when you were having that time period where you started finding your own journey and you had obviously like moved away from your, well, not moved away, you had disconnected from yep. your husband from that side. So how did you know to stay with it and stick with it? Mm, that's a really good question. Um, I guess it's going to be individual for each relationship and each person. But I guess, and I, the advice I had from a, someone I was working with the other day was like, you know, how do you know? It's like, well, when your good times outweigh the bad times. So, and that's, so that's I know the that exact answer that I give yeah. everyone. So it's like, when I look back at it, it's like, did the good times, like uh, uh, pros and cons. Yeah. It sounds really stupid. Mm. It's a metric from us. It's like the good times, there's more good times than bad times. Yeah. Sweet, I'm still in yeah. this. Yeah, because I don't think there's ever a time in a relationship and especially when parenting is involved because like parenting becomes like the basis of your entire life. So there's so many external factors that sort of like impact your relationship, impact your like time together, impact your um, connectedness. Like there's just so many other things to worry about. Yeah. So one, like you can't just rely on like these beautiful peaceful you can't uninterrupted rely, relationship i i, I want to say like you can't rely on the connection all the time and no. that, that, that sounds terrible but it's like you have a connection but at the same time it's like we always go through disconnects yeah yeah well you're physically disconnected like for example like yeah say even just even if you don't have like a clingy child or a really spirited child like it's still like you know in the middle of the night when, when the child wakes like you're both not going in there together every single time maybe in the beginning you are but like you're always physically disconnected it just you know you're you're picking the kids up you're at work yep. you're going with this you're at that so like you just don't spend any time together. And when you do, like, usually you're just fucking exhausted. And you're also <laughs> so you're like, just out of actually, the like, now we have, now I have a moment to myself. Can I just be alone yeah. before we're together? So, like, it's really hard to find the juggle. But I definitely think it is sitting with, okay, well, are the good moments enough to get me by? And I know that sounds really bad because it should be, like, good all the time. But then I don't think it's realistic to say that. So, because uh, that's my, my thing with it as well. It's like, I don't, it will never always be good. Yeah, and I think never people are chasing that. Exactly. But it's like, are you, so if you've really found, and this is what I believe, if you've really found your soulmate, they will also trigger the fuck out of you. 100%. Like, my husband, I could fucking kill him every day. <laughs> but I am so open to those lessons now. I look at him as a blessing. And I don't say that, like, lightly. It takes a lot of self-awareness to be like, why is it annoying when he does this? Because he mirrors things that are in me. Because that's his role as my soulmate. Well, that's, and I that's truly what we were believe talking about that. earlier in terms of triggers. It's like yeah. if, if you trigger me, it's like it's something It's a here. mirror. It trigger is a mirror. When you see something, it's because you've either unresolved that in yourself yeah. or like I said, it's showing you where you're not free. So when my husband triggers me, which is like fucking all the time because we parent together, we work together, we do everything well, together, but we also feel like we're never together together. So like there's a lot of like we're around each other all the time and we're going through parenting issues, we're going through client issues, we're going through business issues, like every everything so you know there's always triggers there but we've both 
we both say the word trigger a lot and I've opened him up to triggers of like, I need to know that you're responsible for your triggers and I'm responsible for ours. And I watched this um, relationship webinar the other night. It was unreal. And it had like these three circles in like a triangle, right? But they're all three separate circles. And it's like the two bottom parts of the triangle, two bottom circles are you and me, say, like in a relationship. And the top one is our relationship. And it's like all three parts of the triangle, all three points of the triangle need to work together. But you need to work on yourself. I need to work on myself and then we work on our relationship. But our relationship can't thrive if you're not looking after yourself and I'm not looking after myself. So I need to know that you're aware of your triggers, your trauma. That's got nothing to do with me. If you want to share it with me, I'm here for you. But I'm not responsible for that. I'm not your mother. You're not my father. I'm not here to heal your inner child wounds and vice versa. Let's have responsibility of ourselves first. Go and do what you need to do in your self-development world. And let's come back and give our relationship the best part of us that we can. Do Do you believe that you can work on yourself while working on a relationship? Yeah, I think they work together. Really, if you're with the right person, they work together. They, they kind of complement each other from yeah. what way I see. Well, it's like, again, your, your partner is going to trigger those wounds for you. So you go, oh... There's something I need to work on. Oh, there's another thing I work on. Sometimes I'm like, oh my God, can you just fucking stop? Can I just think I'm good now? But <laughs> can I'm I have not one between, week of just... Yeah, just one week, guys, piss off. No one trigger me. <laughs> but between kids and your, your partner, like you, you trigger it all the time, but I'm really on top of it now. Of like, And this is where journaling comes in. Just write down that trigger, write down that trigger. I used to be resistant to journaling too. because I was like, I don't know. Hello, diary. Been uh, a good day today. Had so a cup of coffee. You, you know what the, the big thing I've, I've mentioned this, why I hate journaling? fucking hate my handwriting yeah i've seen that but why it's because so and when i really go into it yeah where's your five whys of that here's the 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 deep deep thing about it is like i can't spell well i feel inferior when it and what it comes back or when i've I've gone into this whole process Mm -hmm. and it's it's called the five whys process don't know exactly but i what it is 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 back in school in south africa we would have um whatever in our english class we would have our reader Mm mm-hmm and what would happen in every lesson is you would go around and you'd read a paragraph or whatever. It's like, mm-hmm. and probably a bit of dyslexia, no yeah. confidence was shitty mm-hmm. from that time. It's like, I fucking hated it. Yeah, so it brings up those wounds for you. And, and yeah. it, it, it's immediately, I'm like, I don't like this. I don't want to do this. Mm-hmm. And the book gets thrown away. And yeah. it's funny though, because talking about this now, it comes out thinking about it. It's like, I, so I had a head injury in my final year of, of school. Mm-hmm. And have you seen the movie Fifty First Dates? Yeah. The, the one where with she's um, Adam Sandler. Yeah, and, and yeah, what's her face? Well, I don't um, know, the blonde lady. I'm really bad with that. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. I anyways, and she loses. She has short-term memory loss. Yep, and yep, they yep, write yep, down uh, in yes, her book. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yep. I did that because yep. I had short-term memory loss. Mm. And what I used to do is before I went to sleep, I used to write down what had happened in the day if it was important. Yeah, wow. Yeah. And the next morning, I had this big diary next to my bed that said, "Read me." And yep. I'd wake up in a bit of a panic and not quite know what was going on. Wow. And I'd read what had happened from it landed up being about four or five months. Previously, previously, yeah. Of every day of wow. what had happened, so you it's would like sleep and then wake up and not yeah. Like so wow. as soon as I, I went to sleep, I'd wake up and I'd be like, I don't know what the fuck had happened. Oh my god! Like it was freaky, it was panicky. Wow! It's like it Did was they recommend for you to do that? No, I just started doing wow, it. And the one day, my idea. mom walked in and she was like, "What's this book?" And I could, it had been off quite a while. I was like, "Oh no!" Like that's what I write 
so that mm. I can remember. Because obviously you go through brain waves and states while you're asleep, and if I Correct. guess if you've had an injury, and with I, the, sh- the, yeah, the short-term like memory loss, I, I you'd wake up and be like, "What the fuck? Where am I?" Didn't wow. know what was going on. Didn't happen. It was it was pretty. So it's funny now that like we mm. say that, and now I suddenly remember like I did write down things. Yeah. So it's like maybe it's something you work on. Well, maybe that from what I'm hearing, and maybe I might be wrong, is that like there's a core belief attached to what it means to have messy handwriting or yeah. to not get it perfect. Yeah, it it and it. You know, I've seen it play out in multiple ways of my life. It's like I don't like um, not being inferior. That's not the right word, but it's like I mm. I have a problem with like not I'm being the best I'm, I'm not I'm not the stupidest guy around, but I definitely don't think that I'm worthy of the intelligence that I have. Mm. So I think that's part of it, and like that plays out in like different yeah. patterns. Yeah. And I've gone through the process of trying to understand. It's mm-hmm. it's I can't remember what the exact word is, but whatever. It's like I have a pattern around. Infer- like feeling inferior yeah, or something feeling like, like I'm not enough yeah Correct. which and is like one of the basic common human um, patterns problems yeah. things that we Worries, so concerns, yes. belief systems is so that yeah 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 it's wow funny. well I mean your awareness is already good like the fact that m- not many people can even do that they're just like I fucking hate my handwriting that's it it's like yeah but sit with why and that's that's the real key is like where you feel that resistance to be like yeah because because of this like that's enough and it's like no that's what the five whys process is it's like well why okay get that second layer of why but yeah. then why that yeah and you go five whys back and then usually that's your core belief and it's usually something of like because i'm not worthy yeah because i'm not good enough they're usually like the two main drivers of fear-based beliefs and and all of those things makes, so makes perfect sense but that's yeah i mean that's why i love journaling because it's just like a brain dump and once you're sort of in there things just flow through you i don't know how we got on topic of journaling <laughs> but um, i mentioned it earlier or something <laughs> like so, what's the best part about being a parent? Mm, that's a good question. I just, I think getting to see the world through my children's eyes. Like, getting an opportunity to look at things through a different lens. Like, we, like I said, we're so conditioned to look through our own lens and our own world and even the people that we've always been in our life. So, you know, our family and our relationships and all of those things. We, we kind of all just, like, see things through our way. But this child, like I said, they come here completely unconditioned, completely new to this whole world, and they give us this opportunity to see things completely different. And I after leaning into it, I'm so in love with that now that I'm just like, wow. Like my children teach me to just really savor a walk outside. Whereas yeah. before I'd be like, oh, I've got to go get my steps up. <laughs> like stuff where you can totally change your world if you change the world that you look at it, the yeah. way that you look at it. And our children give us that opportunity. And like they're just constantly teaching me things about myself. Like they've made me see what I really, what I'm really passionate about and what I'm really not. And like because I'm so protective of them of like and they've ignited this like whole other meaning of love and unconditional love and um, connection and just laughter and play like they've just brought out a child in me again and I think that's so like the best part about it if you lean into it and you're not just like hey I'm your mom I'm the boss go and play by yourself it's like actually be be a child with your child and get what it feels like to have so much wonder and so much excitement they're so present like, we really just forget what it's to be like to be not rushed and not look at the clock. They don't give a fuck what time it is. Like, they just are, like, living their best life until we're like, Oi, hurry up. Don't do this. Do that. Get down. Stop doing this. Like, they really just have this opportunity to just teach us what it's like to just truly live in the moment. Yeah. I think that's that's exactly it. 
Yeah. Th- they teach us how to live in the moment. I think yeah. that's one of the best statements you probably say. Yeah, and it, it sounds so simple, but I don't feel like anyone does. No adults do that. No. We just don't. We well, just uh, we mean, get up, we go, we've got somewhere to be at a exactly. certain time. If we're, if we're not doing that, we're bored. I spent a lot of my years before becoming a mum bored, and now I'm like, God, what I would give for that time back. You <laughs> idiot. Why were you so bored? And you wasted it watching shit on TV. Now I'm like, God, I wish... Like, they've really just shown me what how precious time is and how to maximize time and how to stop, like, chasing all these ridiculous things and just, like, truly to just be present and the power and the beauty in that and the surrender in that. And, yeah, being a s- surrender. My God, that's, like, the number one word you really need to master when you're a parent is, like, surrender. Just give up. It's no, yeah. wor- it's no worth in fighting it. Oh, 100%. You're surrendering it. so many parts of your journey. And if you can really be open to that, it you would be a much more enjoyable experience. Sounds about right. So, Rachel, where can people find you? What, what's, give us the spiel, yep. the invader pitch. <laughs> um, so, my personal account on Instagram is at underscore the strong mama, M-A-M-A. So, I share a lot of my personal experience on there and my insights and, you know, my loves and stuff like that and the podcast. Um, so, Strong Mama's podcast, which I've just started. Um and our gym is Strong Fams Health and Fitness. You can find us um, on Instagram and Facebook, and we're in Dural, Sydney, New South Wales, for anyone local. Um, you can check us out at strongfams.com.au. And then also, I'm relaunching and rebranding Strong Mamas. Um, so that's Strong Mamas underscore AUS on Instagram and soon to be strongmamas.com.au, but it's just offline at the moment. But if you just find me, you'll be in touch with the launch and all of that and what I'm going to offer. I'm still figuring it out as I kind of go through this new birthing process. Um, but yeah, they're kind of like my three sort of outlets at the moment and, and where I um, share my life and you know our, our business and our service and our purpose in the world. Perfect. I'll put everything in the show notes and I'll kind of link everything up and people can find you from there. Awesome. Thank awesome. you so much for this chat. No worries.